Well, hey, y'all. How's it going? How we doing? Yeah, hey, my name is Connor Doyle and I am one of the pastors here and I'm pumped to hang out with you guys today. Many of you know me, uh, love you guys. Many of you who don't know me, love you too. Uh, would love to meet you after the service. Come on up and say hey. Uh, would love to, for you to introduce yourself, or me to introduce myself to you. Um, hey, I wanna show you my family. Uh, this is a picture of us. This is the Doyle family, y'all. Um, so my, yeah, thank you, thank you. My beautiful wife, Abby. Um, so I was a single dude in, in college, uh, freshman, I showed up and I told myself that I'm gonna find the hottest chick on campus and I'm gonna marry her. <laughs> and I did, true story, yeah, amen. But you know, she's so much more than that. She's sitting over here in the front. I'm gonna, I'm gonna embarrass you, honey. Um, she is a courageous disciple maker for Jesus. She is the world's best mom and my best friend. So would you guys help me in honoring my wife, Abby? Yeah. She hates me now. Um. <laughs> and our two boys, uh, Titus is almost three. We call him Tornado T. Um, and Judah is almost one, uh, our little Judah bug. Uh, we love college football, local parks, and gluten-free pancakes. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, hey, I want to talk to you guys today about something that has changed my life and is changing my life and I believe can change your life too. And I'll start by asking a question. When you think of the word home, what comes to mind? Is it a, is it a place? Is it a person? Uh, maybe a part of town? For me, I think of my wife, I think of my two boys, I think of my couch at home, which is unquestionably the most comfortable couch in the world. What about you? What's home for you? Have you ever been lost from home or far from home? Maybe you've been in a different country on business, or maybe you've been trying to make your way home and your GPS bugged out on you when you were en route back home. That's happened to me multiple times, but one time stands out in particular. I was, I was in high school. I just got my driver's license. It, it, it was a Saturday night. Uh, I was headed to pick up my friend and bring him back home to my parents' house for us to hang out. Um, and he lived out in the boonies, y'all. Like cell phone service was spotty at best, you know? Um, but to make things worse, I had forgotten to charge my phone the night before so when I looked at my phone before I was getting ready to leave, it was like 5%. Yeah, it's, isn't that the worst? Like you look at your phone and the battery level is on red. I hate that. It's like, I'm done for the day. I'm going home. <laughs> no, but I made it to my friend's house okay. But then my phone died. And my friend um, is the absolute worst at directions. Michael, if you're watching this from Tennessee, just know that directions isn't your spiritual gift, Okay. <laughs> Uh, before we knew it, it was dark. We were driving on back roads and I was running out of gas. And my luck, y'all, it started to rain, like torrential downpour kind of rain. We didn't know where we were. We couldn't see anything. Y'all, we were lost. Well, finally, my buddy saw a road that he thought he, he knew and could navigate us home. I mean, he thought. So, uh, so an hour later, we finally navigated our way home. I said, man, I'm done with you. I'm dropping you off back at your parents'. I'm gonna go back, I finally got back to my parents and, and my parents, they were glad I was alive. 
but they had some other things to say as well. So yeah, we were lost. We were so lost, but we finally made it home. Have you ever felt that way? Lost? Like not just while driving, but in your job or in your school or in relationships or in your marriage or in your life or, or, or maybe even with God. And that's what we've been talking about in the series called Homecoming. And I wanna talk to you about this idea today of coming home and I wanna couch it in the context of a story. This is a story Jesus shared. It's in the Bible in Luke chapter 15. This is a story about three characters. The first character is a father who represents God. And then the second and third character is of a younger and older brother who represents you and represents me. And I want you to see the context for Jesus sharing the story. It's in, in, in Luke 15, verses one and two, which says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. This is, uh, this is the context, right? This is Jesus teaching. People are gathering around Jesus. And the people who were gathering around Jesus were, were the tax collectors and sinners. You see, these were, these were cheaters and prostitutes and divorcees and bandits and Ohio State fans. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that was intentional. It's amazing that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And past the group of misfits gathered around Jesus were the religious leaders. Like, and from observing what was going on, they started to grumble. They weren't happy with who Jesus was receiving in, who he was associating with, who he was surrounding himself with those people and y'all, Jesus is savage. <laughs> Jesus knows what the prune juice drinkers are thinking. And so Jesus begins to respond and share three stories in Luke chapter 15. And the final story, the story we're gonna look at today is called the prodigal son. And in act one of our story, uh, we talked about this last week, the younger brother went to his father who was wealthy and asked for his inheritance, right? This would be like me going to my dad and saying, hey dad, um, you're not dead yet, but you're dead to me, and so I need my cut right now. Like crazy, right? And what's crazy in this story is the father actually gives it to him. And so the younger brother gathers all of his things, and the Bible says that he went to a far off country and squandered his wealth in wild living. And after some time, the brother loses everything and hits rock bottom. I, I love the way the Bible puts it. It says, when he came to his senses, light bulb went off. When he came to his senses, he said, you know what? I need to go back home to my dad. And so the, the, the next scene is this beautiful scene that Jesus is painting in this story. And it's almost as if the, the father is sitting like on his front porch. And y'all know the, the rocking chairs that Cracker Barrel has? You know, like before you go into the store and, and like before you get your food and stuff, I'm gonna buy one of those someday. Um, Jesus is like sitting on his rocking chair and it's like he's, like he's looking out in the distance in the horizon. What's he looking for? Well, he's waiting for his son to come home. And so he's looking, he's rocking on his rocking chair and he kind of sees something out in the distance. 
And so I don't know if he had binoculars back then or not, but he gets his binoculars out and he looks and he sees and it's like, that's my son. He's coming home. And so he throws down the binoculars. He leaps out of the rocking chair and he runs to his son and he gives him a big hug and a kiss and he celebrates him with a party as his younger son came home. It's beautiful, right? Last week, it was beautiful to see 15 individuals say yes to Jesus and come home to him in baptism. Yeah, and we had two students in this service say yes to Jesus, yeah. If you were one of those people, we love you. Well done, we're so proud of you. Maybe for some of you, you've already been baptized. Maybe you've already had your homecoming with God, but maybe you felt lost, that you've been drifting away from God. Maybe you've been feeling this for weeks or even months or maybe even years or maybe just today. Well, today is your day. Today is Recommitment Sunday, y'all, and we want to give some time that's special that's out of the ordinary to give anyone and everyone a chance to recommit themselves back to God. Hold on to that. You know, most people actually miss or skip over act two of the story. It's actually, if you go back and read it and, and, and read the story, this is the purpose. This is the whole reason why Jesus shared it. And it was directed to the second brother because Jesus was addressing the Pharisees and the scribes are the religious leaders. Here's act two, I wanna read it for you. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field and when he came near to the father, he heard music and dancing and he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your father has come, he replied, and your father killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The father welcomes the younger son home and the older brother ain't happy about it. Here's what I need us to understand. Don't miss this. This is huge the younger brother and the older brother were lost. Both sons were prodigals who needed to come home and be restored to the father. See, you can run away from God and be just as guilty as the one who obeys God in order to get what he or she wants. Yes, the younger, the younger brother was guilty of self-indulgence, but the older brother was guilty of self-righteousness and both are not of God. See, there are two kinds of lostness that Jesus is showing us in this story. You can escape God as much through morality and religion 
as you can escape God through immorality and irreligion. Tim Keller wrote a book on the story we're talking about today called Prodigal God. It's, it's an amazing book. And I love what he said about the, this, this idea of lostness in the older brother. He said, sin is not just about not doing bad things in order to be good. It's also about doing good in order to leverage your holiness on God for your benefit. It's also about being your own savior. See, the older brothers obey God to get things. They don't obey God to get God himself, he wrote. And you and I, we all have younger and older brother tendencies and traits and patterns and postures. And I love what Jesus is doing in this story. He's inviting all of us, no matter what you've done, no matter what, what, you've, what you've done in the past, what, what you're thinking about, your posture, Jesus is inviting all of us home and to expose our hearts to what God wants us to see. Notice the posture of the older brother. In verse 29, he said, and, his, and he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I've been slaving for you, he said. Look at all the stuff I've done. What about me? You killed this fat cow for my brother and you didn't even give me a little goat. Do you see the yuck in that? He thought that by doing enough and busting his butt and trying to be good that he could gain leverage and coverage from his father. Why? Because he wanted to gain from it. He, he didn't care about the father. He cared about himself. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here? Like, why are you sitting in the seat? Why are you watching online? Why do you do the things that you do when it comes to spirituality? Is it to draw near to the heart of God or to elevate yourself? A big part of my story is that I grew up in church. Uh, I always knew that there was a God and that following him was probably the best way to go. And here's what I heard growing up. I heard, hey, uh, uh, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't go with girls who do. I did. Don't have sex before marriage. Don't miss church on Sundays. Don't cuss. Don't forget to pray. Just have faith. And what's crazy, y'all, is that I actually followed a lot of these rules for the most part. Like even to this day, I've never hired a prostitute. I've never done drugs before. I've never been locked up. I, I waited to have sex until I was married. I don't particularly like the taste of alcohol. I like to be healthy. I like to help people. I've even been made fun of by people who've called me Captain America, not by my physique, but because of my unwillingness to cross the line and break my conscience. And listen, y'all. Some of these things are beautiful things. But if I'm being honest, those things could easily make me self-righteous like the older brother and cause me to look down on the younger brothers whose stories are different than mine. Here's the truth. Our righteousness doesn't have anything to do with what we've done or haven't done. Our righteousness that we can claim is only from what Jesus did for us on the cross. That he humbled himself, that he died, that he rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven of our yuck. 
There's a guy uh, in the Bible, his name was Paul. He wrote the bulk of the New Testament letters. Like he was the best of the best. He trained to be a Pharisee, a, a religious leader. And, and, and Jesus got a hold of him. He, Jesus literally knocked him on his high donkey. <laughs> and he came to his senses. There's that phrase again. And he became one of the most influential Christian leaders, second to Jesus. And he went from trying to kill women and children for following Jesus to following Jesus and being willing to die for it. That's what happens when you come to your senses for Jesus. And in one of his letters to the city in Philippi, here's what he writes. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Hold on to that word rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, when you and I stand before God someday, it won't matter if we say, God, look at all the good things that I did or look at all the bad things that I didn't do. Look at what I did for you. No, the only thing that will matter is whether or not you and I have a personal relationship with God through Jesus. See, there's a, there's a light bulb that goes off where everything gets right-sized in a relationship with the Father, and that's when we come to our senses. Maybe today is a day where you need to come to your senses. And for the record, the Bible, it has some cuss words in it. Y'all probably didn't know that, did you? The uh, Bible has some cuss words, okay? Uh, the word rubbish there in the Greek, it's the most derogatory word for poop. Okay, so I'll just leave it right there. You can take that for how it is. <laughs> I think it's so, it's so interesting in the Bible. Uh, the author, Paul, who we read a couple verses that he wrote, um, if you follow the progression of his, his letters, of his life, he starts the first few letters and he addresses himself as Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus. And then as time goes on, as he gets a little older, as he matures, he then refers to himself as Paul, a slave of Christ. And then a little bit more time goes on, and then he refers to the, himself as Paul, a sinner. And a little bit more time goes on, and toward the end of his life, one of the last few letters that he wrote, he said, Paul, a chief of all sinners. Why is that? It's because the more you draw closer to God, the more he beautifully reveals to you your brokenness and need for him. Another verse in the, in the Bible in Luke, uh, it says this. This is Jesus talking. He said, therefore, I tell you, her, a, a sinful woman of the city, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. See, a lot of pastors will, will point to this verse and suggest that the more unhealthy stuff you do, the more you'll be forgiven, and therefore the more or deeper you will love. But I actually think that misses the mark of what Jesus is actually saying here. I don't think that Jesus is saying that we have to have these crazy stories or testimonies in order to love much or to love deep. No, I, I think that the key is knowing how much we've been forgiven 
And the more we know our story, the more we recognize our yuck and our junk, the more we see our need for Jesus and his forgiveness. One of the, one of the coolest things is talking with a, an elderly person who's been walking with God for a long time. And I love when they'll openly admit, man, I, I need his forgiveness. I just desperately need Jesus. And they can laugh at themselves when they fall short and they are still in awe of the goodness of God. Listen, y'all, brokenness and surrender is the key here. One of my dudes who I get to work, work out with on pretty much a regular basis, um, this dude is the Hulk, okay? He is a beast. He lives three to four times more than I could. Um, and it's awesome working out with him because he makes me, he makes me better. And uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff, like we're working out when we're working out. We talk about real estate investing and college football and the difficulties of fatherhood. And on occasion, we will have conversations about faith and we were having a conversation about what holds people back from their faith in God and why many people are walking away from the church. And, and I told him the answer is surrender. And he's like, what, what do you mean? And I responded and I said, well, well, most people think that they can connect to God or with God by picking up their weapons and following orders and picking up your bootstraps and working hard and winning the battle. And that might be the case if you're in the military. My, my, my friend used to be in the military. But when it comes to our faith in God, it isn't until we lay down our weapons and we take off our boots and we kneel before the king that we experience connection with God. One of my favorite movies of all time, it's called The Patriot. Any of you guys seen The Patriot before? Yeah. Yeah, you can clap for that. <laughs> Mel Gibson, what a dude. <laughs> I love one of, the, one of the best scenes in the whole movie is towards the end. These, the British soldiers finally surrender to the American soldiers. And what do they do? They wave their white flag and they lay down their weapons and they surrender. It reminds me of what Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 9. He said, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Listen to this. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Lean over to the person next to you and tell them you got to lose it. You got to lose it. Tell them you got to lose it. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? Some of y'all are still losing it. <laughs> At the heart of the gospel is an invitation to come and die, which is so countercultural, right? Like everything around us, everything we log into or turn on or swipe or click is telling us instant gratification. Build the profile, promote and protect your brand. But if we're to take Jesus seriously, it's actually an invitation to come and die. Back in our story, the father responds to the older brother and gives this beautiful invitation to come home. And Jesus' audience is on the edge of their seat. Like, will the, will the brother stay outside? Will the, will the older brother like, swallow his pride and go and celebrate with the father and with his brother? 
And Jesus ends the story without telling us how the story ends. Don't you hate that? Why would he do that? Because the older brothers were the Pharisees and the scribes in the story. Jesus wanted to leave them with an invitation to choose. And Jesus wants to leave us with an invitation to choose. So choose. Will you surrender and come home? Will you stand? Will you lay down your life and will you lay down your pride? In a few minutes, if this is you, if you're like, Connor, I, I need to surrender. I, I need to recommit, rededicate, resurrender my life to God. I'm gonna ask you, not right now, not yet. I'm gonna ask you in a few minutes to stand right where you are. And I want this to be a physical representation of what's happening in your heart. You know, um, there's a tragedy in this story. If you go back and, and read all of Luke 15, Jesus actually tells three stories to make a point to these religious leaders. The first story is about a shepherd who had 100 sheep. And he loses one of his sheep, and so the shepherd goes out, and he finds his lost sheep, and he brings the sheep back home, and he celebrates. The second story is of a woman who has 10 silver coins. She didn't have a whole lot. All she has is 10 silver coins. And Jesus asks the question, wouldn't she, like, sweep her whole house and seek diligently to find her lost coin? Well, of course she would. And in our story... The final story in Luke 15, similar to the lost sheep and the lost coin, there's a lost brother. But unlike the first two stories, the younger brother was not sought out to be found. Jesus' audience would have been like, who's going to go out and get the dingus brother and bring him back home? And the tragedy of this story is that the older brother should have gone out to bring his baby brother home. But instead, not only did he not go, bring, go out and bring him home, but he also complained when his baby brother came home. I told you I grew up in college, and, but I, I didn't really care. On the outside, if I could just make things appear to look good, then I was good with that, right? But on the inside, I thought that like this would make me happy. If I could win enough golf tournaments and I could have a relationship and look at just enough porn enough to get away with it, that was fine. That I was in for that. My sophomore year in high school, my, uh, my dad lost his job. My family filed financial hardship. And I had to go to public school my junior year. I had grown up in a private Christian school. So it was a new school, so everybody was a new kid on the block, especially me. And I experienced something that I had never experienced in my life. To where if, if I wanted to go and sleep with my girlfriend in the parking lot, I probably could, and I could probably get away with it. If I wanted to smoke something in the bathroom that didn't just have tobacco, I probably could, and I could probably get away with it. If I wanted to be a Christian. If I wanted to follow Jesus, then for the first time in my life, I felt like I could make the personal decision. Me, like me alone, Connor Doyle could actually do that. And one Wednesday night, my friends invited me to youth group. 
And I'll never forget at the end of the service, they asked, hey, if anybody wants to re-surrender, recommit their life to Jesus, then stand. And I stood. And I went and I spoke with the youth pastor. And the Connor that was at school on Wednesday was very different from the Connor that showed up at school on Thursday. Like, y'all, I was all in. I wanted to save the world. I wanted everybody to know the same Jesus that I just encountered. And so I would talk about Jesus at school and I would read my Bible and I would listen to messages and I would meet with mentors and Sunday services and, and, and go to youth group stuff, which was great. But you know the story we talked about today, while it's my favorite story in all of the Bible, it also breaks my heart too. While I was off saving the world for Jesus, I, can, I completely left my baby brother behind. I wish someone would have told me that it was my job, it was my duty to bring him home, to bring him along in the journey with me. I wish I could go back and do things differently. I wish that someone would have told me to do anything and everything in my power to invite him home, to come home to the Father, to journey with me. And to this day, y'all, I don't know where he stands with God. I was so busy saving the world that I forgot about the people in my direct line of influence. To be clear, it's, it's God that saves, it's not me. It's just my, my job to partner with him. And in our story, when the younger son, he got his inheritance, right? He got one third of the estate and everything else would have gone to the older brother which meant that the party that the father hosted was technically on the older brother's tab. And for some of us, days like Baptism Sunday and, and maybe some of the changes that you're seeing around here at Whitewater to really, 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 really go after the lost. While I understand how that can be frustrating, friends, my fellow elder, elder brothers, we have to use our privilege and our resources and our influence to love people back home. We have to go out and bring those who are far from God back home. That's the vision. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was the true and older brother who goes out and brings us home even when we don't deserve it. Toward the end of our story, the audience would have been on the edge of their seat, wondering, what's the older brother gonna do? Will he stay outside and continue to be angry or will he swallow his pride and go inside to celebrate with his father and his brother? But Jesus ends with a question mark. He doesn't tell us whether or not the older brother went home. Why? Because Jesus is extending an invitation for the Pharisees to come home, for us to come home, to choose. So, choose. What about you? 
What about your story? There's a question mark over your life. Are you, are you gonna come home? Are you gonna surrender and come home to the Father? Will you surrender and come home? Will you stand? And for the record, the night that I stood and recommitted my life to Jesus is the best decision of my life, y'all. My, uh, my wife was praying over me last night and, uh, and she said something in her prayer that really stuck out to me. She said, God, if there's just one person just one who would say, you know, I've been drifting from God for some time, but today is my day. I'm going to surrender and I'm going to stand for him. We've been praying for the one, just one. If that's you, if you're like, Connor, I'm in, let's do this. Everything that I have, all that I am, all the essence in me, I lay down before Jesus. I'm gonna take his mission seriously and I'm going to pursue the lost people to bring them home. But I need to come home too. I've been drifting away from the Father. I've been distant for some time and I need to come home. I need to recommit my life to Jesus. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you, Will you stand? If that's you. If you're gonna make a decision today, would you stand right now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Guys, would you keep standing? I'm sorry if this is embarrassing. <laughs> but we wanna celebrate your decision and we wanna pray for you. So if it's a spouse that stood up, grab their hand, put your hand on their shoulder. If it's a friend or a family member, if you don't know the person, don't be weird. You don't have to grab their hand. <laughs> you don't have to put your, just, I would ask every single person in this room, if you could just join me in just raising your hands just like this reaching out. We want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That you are a God who continually calls us home, even when we've drifted away. God, you are the God of second chances and third chances, and in my case, 5,000th chances. And so God, I ask I, God, I ask that you would give a renewed passion, a renewed mind, a renewed energy to the older brothers who just stood up. That you would lay dreams and visions and all kinds of things on their lives and in their hearts so that you'd show up in their lives in mighty and awesome ways. God, we praise you. God, we praise you. You are a good, good father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Church family, let's all stand together. Well, can we just celebrate one more time? Yeah. yeah. 
hey, maybe you're like, Connor, I've, I've, I've never made a decision to come home to the Father before. Like, I know it's recommitment Sunday, but I've never committed. <laughs> I've never been baptized before. If that's you, today's your day too. We, as older and younger brothers, we wanna celebrate you too. So Alan and our team, they're gonna lead us in a song. Guys, I would just ask as we sing these songs, let this be our prayer. Let this be our prayer that we would surrender all that we have, all that we are, everything to Jesus. Lay it before the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, you're enough.